0: Of good words and instruction for us, we've had so much sickness, so many things going on that felt led to go over this passage again. Second Corinthians chapter one begin with verse one. Notice what Paul says: Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then notice. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings, sufferings which we also suffer. Oh, if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so you also partake of the consolation or the encouragement. Let's pray. Father, I look out on a great Sunday night crowd and I thank you for our church and how you work in it. Lord, how you've never left us, you've never failed us. Uh, Father, you are the God of all comfort. Bring that to our minds and help us to learn from your word tonight. Help us to grow from it. And Father, as you do this, we'll be careful to praise your holy name. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When we look tonight at the God of all comfort, this is what the theologians call one of Paul's exclamations of faith. It's really, he's telling us what kind of God we have. You need to remember who the Apostle Paul was. As far as enduring affliction and troubles and trials, probably as much as any Christian that's ever lived. Beaten with a cat of nine tails, stoned, ran out of almost every town he presented the gospel in. Uh, misunderstood by his own countrymen and the Gentiles alike, called every bad thing you could imagine. He suffered uh, pain, loss, suffering. Uh, He had his own thorn in the side that afflicted him daily that he asked the Lord to remove. And you remember Jesus said, uh, My grace is sufficient for you because in your weakness is my strength. So he knew all about suffering. But he has a word for us today if we're suffering, and that word's very simple. Our God is the God of comfort. Our God is the God of comfort. Now, comfort means different things to different people, and we'll look at that just a little bit. But realize it's one of God's characteristics, his divine attributes, if you will. And so uh, let's look, first of all, in verses 3 and 4, first part of verse 4, at the need. What is that need he talks about? It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. There's the need. And again, he's talking about God's character. He starts off by praising God. He's praising God uh, basically because the Father of Jesus is acquainted with loss and suffering. So we think that God didn't, didn't really understand us in what we're hap, what's happening in our lives. But remember, God sent His only Son for one purpose and one only, to die on a cross and to suffer shame and humiliation, to suffer the beatings of being spit upon, called the bad names, all those things, humiliation of the cross just for us. So He knows about loss. Jesus Himself knows about suffering. He was called a man of sorrows. Okay, We we need to understand that when we get that, that God's character, he's acquainted well with pain and suffering. And yet, he's the father of all mercies. You see, he didn't get bitter because of the way we treated Jesus. He didn't get bitter because of the way he's been treated by humankind since the creation of the world. Rather, he chooses to be merciful to us. It's a good example, but that's his character. But what about the comfort? The God of all comfort. The word comfort there in the verb and noun form appears nine times in five verses. Now, did you hear that? Nine times in five verses. I think he was serious about this when he wrote it. And it is, in the Greek it, 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 is, it happens in, as a comforter or comfort. The comforter is one who is called alongside. That's what the Holy Spirit is called. It's one that is alongside and that's what God does for us. It's a legal term. It means one who's called alongside to help. If you're you're in trouble, they would assign you a lawyer, and he's called alongside to help you through the case, to help you win, to help you be free. And the Holy Spirit is called alongside to help us through life. It also is a medical term because it means called alongside to help in the sense of like we've got a bone broken or something out of line, and they put a splint on it, and that person is there to make sure everything goes okay. That's our God. He's the one who is called alongside us. You may feel like God has abandoned you, but see, you remember his promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is for us. He's called alongside of us. And we need to understand that. He's there to help. That's the comforter. Person and work of the Holy Spirit. But remember, he's there to give comfort. And the meaning of that is a little bit surprising. The root form of the word comfort in the Greek means to be brave. See, we think of comfort as different things, you know. Some of you think comfort is a big, soft, easy chair on a Sunday afternoon. (laughs) There you go. And I remember spending the night with my great-grandmother, and she actually had a feather bed. And you would sit in the middle of it and you would sink. You would sink so much you thought you was going to have a pipe to breathe in. Okay? It was comfortable and it was warm. Because of the stove, uh, the wood stove was right beside the bed. I always wondered if that was going to catch the fire. But comfort here means to be brave. To be brave, why? Because remember who's the one alongside of us. Who's the one with us in the midst of the trials, the tribulation, the pain, the suffering? It's our God. And because we know He's right there, He lives within us, but He's right there to help us, to hear us, to wipe our tears, to dust off our scraped knees, to help us get back on the path where we need to go. And because He's with us, it doesn't matter what we're going through, we can be brave because God is for us. As Paul said, if God is for us, who can be against us? And let me tell you something, in the Greek, the answer is... No one. Because if God is really for us, who does it matter is against us. So we can be brave. And the comfort he gives us a lot of times, now hear me, is not to get us out of the situation. It's not to change the circumstance. It's to help us to live in grace in the midst of what we're going through. To be brave, saying, I don't understand everything, Father. But whatever your purpose is, I know you're with me. I know you're guiding me. I understand that you still love me even though this hurts. So I'm going to be brave and face up to this. That's the kind of comfort he gives us. That's what he helps us to do. But not only did I look at the character and the comfort, I look at the constancy. He says, God is with us in all our tribulations. All? Yeah, all. See, the first part of verse 4 says, Who comforts us in all of our tribulation. Comforts us in all of our tribulation. And, And the word for tribulation there means pressure. So my translation, this is just mine, is this. God is with us to give us that comfort, that consolation, which means encouragement, in the midst of the pressure cooker of life. If you ever felt like the pressure just buried on you, welcome to the human race. Welcome to being a Christian. You see, it's in that pressure that we find out what we're made of. And more importantly, it's in that pressure that we find out who our God is. I'm no expert, but they tell me the reason the diamond becomes a diamond is because of the pressure that's exerted on it under the earth. Without that pressure, it's a lump of coal or dirt or whatever they're made out of. And it never becomes a diamond. And if you're looking just to go through life without any pressure, you're looking to be a lump of coal rather than the diamond that God wants you to become. And he knows just where to exert pressure. Because he knows us. See, what bothers one person, another person just handles no big deal. But God knows where your pressure points are. And those are the areas he's going to allow pressure to come in so that you learn to trust on him. It's that tribulation, it's that trouble, it's that pain. But we don't have to go through that alone. We've already talked about that. All we do is call on God, and he's right there. That old poem. Footprints in the sand it said as he walked along and he saw two tracks and then one track and then two and then one and then he noticed that the one there was only one set of tracks in the worst times of his life and he said why did you leave me alone during the worst times I don't understand God. He said my child I didn't leave you alone when you see one set of prints that's when I carried you. And that's what God does for us. We need to ask ourselves. This is the hardest thing to do as a Christian. When's the last time you praise God for the tribulation in your life? Or praise God for the problems? Because if we really look at it, those problems are Him making us more like Jesus. If we praise Him for it, those problems teach us who He really is and that He is the God of all comfort. But if we thanked Him for that had a preacher say it to me one time this way. Gary, when's the last time you thank God for the thorns in your life? The pain in your life. I don't know about you, but I don't like saying thank you for thorns and for pain. But as we mature, we learn that's exactly what God expects. Because we're to thank, be thankful in all things. Right? But that's the hard part. Until we remember who's the one right alongside. Who's the one who knows exactly what we're going through? So that's that's really what I mean by the need. We all have that need. But it leads to something else. The need is supposed to lead to the ministry. Look at the last part of verse 4 through verse 6. He's told us he comforts us in all tribulation. The last part of verse 4 says that we... May be able to comfort those who are in any, any, say any, trouble. With the comfort, means the same kind, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation, and remember that can be translated uh, our encouragement, also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation or encouragement and salvation, which is effective for the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. You're not alone. You're not being picked on by God. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So what's the ministry? See, Paul looks at it and he sees the outcome. The outcome of these sufferings, the outcome of these tribulations, the outcome of these problems is supposed to be that we minister to others because as God's children, we've experienced His comfort. It says any trouble, any trouble we find ourselves in, God's willing to comfort us. God's willing to help us. But it's so we learn how to help one another. And so we learn how to do things. Some of us are guilty of robbing God. His glory. Because. Somebody's. Crying. Somebody's hurting. Somebody's complaining about. What God is not doing. And we can. Stand up and say. I went through the same thing. Let me tell you. How he helped you. How he helped me. And how he wants to help you. But we just don't want to rock the boat. And we remain quiet. Rather than glorifying God. For what he did in our own lives. He helped us. He'll help you. What's the outlook? See. See. Suffering should be expected by a Christian. It identifies you as a child of God. Let me put it another way. The devil has one chance to get his licks in and that's in this world. So well, I don't like that. That's the way it works. But the reason that God allows that to happen is so that we grow in Christ. So we become more Christ-like. The reason he lies that happened is so we will learn to minister to others because we've been hurt like that. Have you ever noticed that empathy comes in when you've been hurt the same way someone else hurts? My wife is a wonderfully patient woman. She has to be live with me. You can say, Amen. But I've had back problems for years and years. Do you know when she was most kind? After she had her first back problem. But if we're honest, all of us will say, you know, I didn't think much about this person have this or that person until it happened to me. And you see, those problems teach us to be empathetic, to to share with that other person. We can feel what they felt. We can commiserate with them. But we can also lead them to the point of glorifying God because God's going to give them the same comfort that we had from Him. We see there's an overcoming. See, when we endure... When we keep on, and he says, if we're afflicted, it's for your affirmation, you know. If uh, you'll grow, if we're afflicted. You see, the outcome is winning. We endure, okay? You see, Jesus is called a man of sorrows. He won many trials, even the death on the cross. Uh, Hebrews, I should have marked that, but Hebrews 2.10 tells us a little bit about some of that. And what he experienced. Even Jesus had those problems come into his life. And notice what the book of Hebrews says about it. In Hebrews 2.10 it says. For it was fitting for him for whom all things. And by whom all things. In the bringing of many sons to glory. To make the captain of their salvation. That's Jesus. Perfect through sufferings. He was already Perfect. But you see, there was that perfection that he didn't sin. There was that perfection that all that he suffered, he was even more perfect, if that's possible. You're being perfected through your sufferings. You see, you're being made more Christ-like. You're being sanctified. I think I've shared that with some of you before, that my best friend is is a dentist. And we we talk about once a month. Should talk more, but we talk that much. And have since college. And ask him how he was doing. He' doing okay. Well, it didn't sound very convention. So I asked him how his family was doing. One wife, one one of his children, his oldest daughter, had been diagnosed with a a, a disorder that they didn't know she had that, that she could never be cured from, and it causes severe headaches. Okay. Uh, debilitating headaches. Uh, she dropped out of college because she can't read her textbooks because of the headaches. And then another child had uh, something else that was pretty serious. And the wife had this. And I said, Well, Don, that's just been terrible. He said, it's been a year. He said, we've been being sanctified. That's a fancy term for being made more Christ-like. And you see... In order to overcome some of the things in life, the pressure comes, the problems come. God's there, but he's right there beside us. He's letting us go through this pressure, not because he doesn't love us, but because he wants the best for us, and we're becoming more Christ-like, and we're going to be more holy, and we're going to be a greater witness for him, and we're going to find happiness in him when we find out how faithful and just and loving he is as we go through these problems, and he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, and he gives us just what we need at just the right time. Those are hard lessons to learn. But you see, we do that so we can minister to others. Are you looking for ways to minister to others? You don't have to look very far. You look at some of the things you've been through and that God has led you through. And if you've learned your lesson and you don't have to go through them again, because I want to tell you something, if you don't learn the first time, God allows it to happen again. If you're pastors, if you're like your pastor, it'll happen three or four times before you finally get the point. Okay, yeah, you can laugh. It's it's sort of funny, but it's the truth. I tend to be a little bit hard headed. My wife says I don't know where she gets that from, but stubborn, willful. I I don't know. She's rolling her eyes at me. She says you do too. Nowhere. I tend to think God, if you just quit it, I can I can I can do this, and He says. I'll show you what you can't do. And he shows me. And I start getting my lesson. And then I can relate to others who have the same problems. I couldn't understand. We had a young couple in our first church. And this couple had tried to have child after child. They'd had like six miscarriages. Finally carried a baby full term. He was born with the umbilical cord around its neck, dead. So the seventh child, they finally have one, is dead. After six miscarriages at various stages, usually between three and five months, and then one child born dead, it's like, what have we done wrong? What is God doing to us we don't understand? We prayed together and talked a little bit about this passage, and then and then, uh, they had their first son, then their second son. And later on, after we'd moved off, I found out... Uh, He called me and said, we finally understand a little bit about what God was doing. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, in the church we're at now, we have a lot of other people that have gone through the same problems. And we're able to be ministers to them because we know what they're going through. He said, God was good to us. And we're telling them, God will be good to you. You just need to be patient and realize he loves you too. That was an awful thing for them to go through. But it's good that they're now helping other couples. I think it's good. See, we need to understand that. So that's the ministry. But what's the hope? Look at verse 7. Gives us the hope. And our hope for you is steadfast. Because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings. Now get this. So you'll be partakers of the consolation. The encouragement. The blessing. You suffer here. God knows it. God writes it down. You got a blessing coming you got encouragement coming. If you partake of the sufferings of Christ, you partake of the blessings of Christ. See, the certainty is this, that suffering will come your way. Now, I'm not saying that to be a pessimist or to be a downer, but in this life, we're going to have some suffering. What amazes me is how people without Christ get through the suffering. How people without a church family make it through. I never have understood that. But the consolation is, as God's child, you'll experience his help. He will not fail you. John Brinty was a friend of Martin Luther, the great reformer. Uh, he had to run. And he was hiding out in a barn full of hay. You know, the type they just shove, shove up there loose. Didn't know how he was going to survive. He said, for 14 days he hid there as the armies looked for him, wanting to to burn him at the stake. He said, for 14 days it rained, and the drip from the old barn gave him water to drink. He said, for 14 days, this literally, now get this, a little red hen came into the barn and laid an egg every day for 14 days for him to eat. He said, I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about my life. I'm worried about all these things. And God comforted me because he provided everything that I needed to get through the ordeal. He did not fail. The same God that helped him is the God who is willing to help us. If we'll turn it over to him. If you're undergoing trials right now, God wants to be your comforter. If you're undergoing problems, God wants to help with that. If you're undergoing and you just fill in the blank, pain, loneliness, God wants to fill in the blank. He wants to be your comforter. But we have to turn those things over to him. We have to allow that to happen. It's not, I can do it, I can take care of myself. It is, are we humble enough to say, Lord, I have a problem with this and I need your help. So, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you need to come and meet the God of comfort by accepting him as your Lord and Savior. As I said, maybe you need to come in rededication. Just turn those burdens over and leave them here. Maybe you need to come join the church. Maybe you need to come and say, Lord, I've been going through so much. I'm starting to learn those lessons. Whatever ministry you want me to do for you along these lines, I'm willing. And you need to surrender to that. I'm going to pray. Then you're going to stand and Miss Beth's going to lead us in a song. And you come as you need to come. Father God, it's again invitation time. It's not holy because of where we are or what we've heard. It's holy because you are here. Let us pay attention to what you would have us to do and surrender to you today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.